0: G'day everyone. Welcome to the Rugby League Week podcast joined by Shane Bugden and A. Luca. Boys, never a dull, dull moment in Rugby League. The season might be over but uh, things are just hotting up down Canterbury Way. This week we obviously have a special uh, board meeting. Des Hasler remarkably after five years, five final series, two grand finals. He's uh, heads on the chopping block. Shane, what the hell is going on at Belmore? Mate, I've got no
1: idea. This is uh, pretty <laughs> stunning news. I'm... I'm pretty shocked that it's it's got to the stage it has you know the, you can say what you like about the way the dogs finished the year, and it was very unimpressive, and the fans have every right to be you know have their backs up about that but I think uh if he does get chopped, I think it's gone more than one step too far it's gone several steps too far, and it'll be an overreaction in my book if he, if they do let him go yeah look I don't
2: think the story is about them letting Des go I think more the story is the fact that board members uh like Mortimer have come out and said. He doesn't, he doesn't mesh well with our culture, our DNA. I think that's utter crap. Um, I'd respect them a lot more if they said, "Look, we don't like where the team's going on the field. Uh, Results wise aren't up to scratch." Uh, then I could understand. But the fact that they're dishing out this DNA culture and bullshit like that. I mean, I just, I I don't understand it. And um, yeah, this is a two-time Premiership winning coach we're talking about. And I think he deserves a lot more respect than what's
0: being dished out at the moment. Yeah, their last month on the field was terrible. Let's be honest. They lost their last three. The Broncos, the Cowboys and the Rabbitohs smashed them. Came up against a young, fast, exuberant Penrith side and went straight out the back door. So, look, making the finals is not an excuse for Hasler. Half the teams in the comp make the finals. He won't think that was good enough. But you're right. I mean, if it's they want to talk about their football, let's do that. Steve Mortimer is a director of the football club and the leagues club, and he's in the papers talking about, as you said, this DNA, the culture of the club. This family club thing was all right when you had the Hughes' and the Mortimer's and uh, all these guys playing together. That went out the window years ago. Blokes spend five minutes at football clubs these days, Don't worry about the family club. It is a bizarre situation. And what's making it even more bizarre is that Des Hasler's name now in some circles is being linked to the the Dragons. I mean, this is just a stunning development.
2: Yeah, it is. It's it's quite amazing given that the Dragons put out that uh, week-as press release two weeks ago saying that um, Paul McGregor will be the coach in 2017. But look, I can't blame them. Um, A two-time Premiership winning coach comes on the market unexpectedly like this. I think we can forgive the Dragons for then saying and doing a backflip and saying, look, sorry, Paul, but Des has come on the market and I'll tell you what, Dragons fans will be absolutely in raptures if this comes through.
1: Yeah, totally. I mean, it'd be a massive snare for the club if they got him. But, I mean, my my other view on this is surely if, you, if you're going to replace your coach, you, you, you do it with the aim of putting someone in there who can get better results. And who's that going to be off the top of your head? I mean, you know, Ivan Cleary, I suppose, his name is always going to come up whenever there's a coaching vacancy. He's a quality coach. But if they do go with someone from inside the club, someone like, say, Jimmy Dimmick, he hasn't got the runs on the board to be able to unequivocally say that he's going to do better than Desi. Uh,
0: It just feels like they're kind of going back to blokes. They think if you're going to keep talking about this culture or played for the club, but Mate, Des Hasler, he's been in the finals every year since '06. You talk about Ivan Cleary. Word going around is the Dragons might have had a word to him, and Ivan basically said, "Get nicked. I don't want to go anywhere near the joint." So that tells you how bad the Dragons are going at the moment. If Des Hasler cops, he's one point two million dollars and wanders across to Cogra. well, good luck to him. He'll have uh, plenty of money in his pocket and a great challenge as Wayne Bennett showed when he went to the Dragons and took that up as a great challenge and took him to a title.
2: I think it's a great fit for both clubs. It's all rumour and innuendo at the moment, but if that does eventuate, I think it's a great fit for both parties there. I think Des would want to get back into the coaching chair and, and I think he will have uh, some hard feeling towards the Bulldogs and would want to prove a point. And what better way to prove a point than jumping on uh, the Red V bandwagon there, an iconic club, and um, look, he could turn that club around. And and from the Dragons' point of view, it just makes sense. They'll get a, an experienced coach, a proven winner, and uh, who also attracts who will attract players. Look, um, there's no doubt the Dragons have had issues with um, acquiring players, and um, when you're branding out a, a coach like Des Hasler, he'll definitely attract players to the club. So I think it's a win-win for both
1: situations. But it is all. Rumor and innuendo at the moment. It'd also be a massive change for Des because you know when you consider that the elephant, one of the elephants in the room with his whole situation, is the amount of money that Canterbury spend on their football department, which is up there as you know, you know, the most of pretty much any team in the league. And then he goes to the Dragons, and you know they don't they don't have a brass sack to rub together down there compared to what what they're throwing out at, at Canterbury. And I think some of the some of the eye that's coming from the board members would be backed up by the amount that they're spending on on their setup at Belmore there and that they not, they feel they're not getting a return on their investment.
0: Yeah, look, it just shows again how much power these boards have got. You've got Ray Deeb, Paponis, Mortimer, these guys. They're also saying Raylene Castle's under some kind of pressure as well for her job. So at the end of the day, they didn't get the results. Yes, Haslam made the finals five years in a row, but since 2014, when they came from seventh and made that grand final... He would have expected a lot more in 15 and 16 than falling into the finals as they did 2015. They beat the Dragons by a point, then got hammered by the Roosters straight out this year to Penrith. So he wouldn't be happy with what he's done there. At the end of the day, if the club, and if if this board thinks he's gone stale and they're not getting the results, but i tell you what, they need to look at their culture. They need to look at some of their players, some very lazy players in that team, particularly in their forwards, I reckon. And it won't matter who you put in charge of them. If they don't aim up, then they'll fall even further than when Hasler had them.
2: No, that's that's absolutely right. And, and like I said, you, you touched on the results there. And if they, they dished that out, um, I, we could understand. Because, yeah, they're a big club and they should be doing better than just making the finals. But, yeah, back to this DNA and culture stuff. Like, it just it doesn't wash. And how unprofessional is Steve Mortimer coming out and saying that stuff? Like, we've got this meeting on Friday and he's coming out every day this week and, and making comment and, and as a board member saying he'll step down if, if Des is given a two-year contract. Like... I mean, what is that? How unprofessional is that? Like a well-respected coach like that and he's coming out giving ultimatums
1: like that. I mean- yeah. yeah, it's it's almost unheard of really for a board member to come out and, and take that sort of a hard line stance and it's yeah, huge shock to the system.
0: Well, he's either entirely reckless, which is probably uh, quite possible, or he was given carte blanche by other board members to put this out there and get the story out there. So... That'll be Friday afternoon. Everybody, keep an eye on that one. See what happens with Dare's with the Bulldogs. The next day, we get some more footy. Thank goodness. Uh, we head over to Perth. The first time they've hosted a Test match over there. Can't wait for this one. The Kangaroos and the Kiwis meet up again, just as a little warm up for the Four Nations, which is shaping as absolute cracker. When you see the the team that uh, England have picked, the squad they've picked, and these two sides are going to play in Perth. Boys, a few uh, bragging rights, I think, on the line. New Zealand traditionally have found that uh, Anzac test very hard to get it get going in. They don't get together for much time for that game, and they've struggled in it. They go a lot better when they get to these tournaments. They've got David Kidwell there now taking over. Who's going to uh, get the bragging rights uh, in Perth to sort of throw them into the Four Nations with a bit of impetus?
2: Yeah, look, Kiwi's a... Uh, rank outsiders here, but um, I, I'm liking the small storylines uh, embedded in this, leading into this clash. Um, you've got the new coach in David Kibble and what he's going to bring to the table. Uh, the Kiwis are blooding some a uh, new generation of outside backs. We're talking Solomone Carter. Uh, we're talking um, guys like uh, Jordan Rapana, the season he's had. So I'm really loving that side of things. And then you've got the, the Kangaroos who also going to play some some rookies that are coming through guys like Tyson Frizzell so these these kind of guys so I'm loving these like smaller storylines but um the halves are the biggest problem for me with the kiwis um, Johnson Lulawai just couldn't get the job done for the warriors over the last 2 3 seasons so I think that's their biggest issue even though Johnson plays his best football for the kiwis but um, i think they 're going to be let down in that in the halves department, and I think that 's where the kangaroos in Cronk and Thurston are going to get them, and probably will
1: do in the four nations too. You know, I totally agree with you about the halves here i think they 've got us in the forwards, especially on paper I think they 've got a better pack than we do if you If you just look at the the amount of talent that they 're fielding in that in that starting pack um, the backs. Yeah, that's all going to depend on the on what the halves are able to do and I completely agree with Rocco there that they that's where they fall down. I mean, if it was, you know, if they had Kieran Foran in that side and he was teaming up with Sean Johnson, then I'd say that they, they'd give us a great run and would be every chance of getting up. But, uh, yeah, I don't see it happening with that six and that seven.
0: Yeah, fantastic forward pack, though. I think the battle up there, Jesse Bromwich, uh, Hargrove's back after a few years out. That's a sensational choice. It was always a bit odd that he... Uh, he got ignored. Kevin Proctor, Tohu Harris, and Tal Malolo. I mean, fair income. this bloke won everything you could possibly win this year. And uh, if he can top off his year with the Four Nations, you've got to think that it'll be Australia and New Zealand probably in that Four Nations final. But you've got Wayne Bennett, the super coach. They must be pumped over there in England with him taking over. Now, he's named his squad. Some uh, Look, I think they're forwards. You've got James Graham there. He's obviously going to be fantastic for him. It's a big pack. You've got the Burgess boys times three, so... Sam Burgess, I reckon is just going to be one of the absolute stars of this tournament. He'll be so keen to rip in. It's only a year since he was uh, mucking around playing the other game and uh, making a goose of himself in rugby. So I reckon this is just going to be fantastic for uh, England. Should be a sensational tournament, boys.
2: Yeah, the England side's strong. Um, on paper, uh, Wayne Bennett's going to get those players playing for him because that's just what Wayne Bennett does. Um, but there are a few question marks. The forward pack is solid, as always. Um, there are a few question marks, though, with the playmaking department. Um, you'll have Gareth Witt up there, but it's unsure who he'll choose there for his house partner. Um, he's gone with a debutant in Luke Gale. Um, he's had a good season in the Super League, um, but he's untried at test level. Um, they've also question marks in fullback position. Um, so Sam Tompkins was unavailable. Um, Zach Hardika, he's over, been overlooked. So um, he's got a young kid there in Lomax who's done, who's done some good things this year, but um, also untried. So... Look, these players will play for Wayne Bennett, but, um, yeah, it'll be interesting to see how they go at, at home in England in the Four Nations.
1: Yeah, I'm just glad that he didn't pick the uh, the so-called plastic pomps in this side. I think that's the right decision to make, I think, uh, for, the, for the long-term health of the game over there and, and having England Get to the level that New Zealand's at, where they can give us a run on any any given test, which is what you, what you really want in international footy. You want you know as many really strong sides as you can get in there. I think it's that they're looking to the future there, and it must have been you know a huge temptation to put blokes like Hawkinson in the side, but I, I completely agree with the decision to leave him out.
2: But you reckon that was his call, or do you reckon he bowed to to a bit of public pressure and, and thought, oh, this is my
1: first go at this this England job, and I oh, better. I reckon if Wayne really wanted him, Wayne would have got him. No mm. one. Wayne. Wayne, um, but regardless of whose decision it was, I think it was the right one definitely. Wayne
0: gets what Wayne wants. and I think uh, for me, he's gone a bit soft. I don't care where these blokes play their footy. If Hodkinson and Chris McQueen was the other one that got mentioned. Mate, Gary Schofield is a classic. He's the one who comes up whinging about this sort of stuff all the time. Wayne Bennett, don't worry about people like that. If he wanted him in the team, it'll be very interesting to see. Yes, he might have made the right decision going forward for the development of uh, rugby league over there, but then they want to win. At the end of the day, those people over there are desperate to win a series, and if they're the blokes he needed to win it, then I reckon he's gone a little bit soft in his first time over there, didn't want to rub people up the wrong way. But
2: you reckon it was his it was his call? Like that's... I think at
0: the end of the day, Wayne Bennett makes all those calls. Yep. He, look, you don't get a guy like him to come in and coach your country and then tell him who to pick. Yep. I think at the end of the day, he's made that decision. And look, if they they make the final even or could could win it, then obviously he's going to look like a genius. So I think at the end of the day, the three Burgess boys are going to be very strong. James Graham, we know the passion that he plays with. As we've said, there's a few question marks around the team. But at the end of the day, it's going to be a sensational tournament. Great to have a Four Nations. Even Scotland, they've got uh, what an interesting squad that was with a few Aussie. Now they've gone, they've got Lachlan Coote. You uh, and Aiken, you and Aiken, Kane, I think is there as well. So, uh, be a few boys, uh, you know, reigniting some NRL rivalries there when they come. I think Scotland will be be pretty good. I think they'll at least get in there and have a crack.
2: Yeah, um, it'd be interesting to see they go. Uh, they've been given this fourth spot in this tournament, and um, they've come out and said that there'll be no pushovers. They're not just there to make the numbers up. So, yeah, look, let's hope that. Um, they're more than competitive.
1: Yeah, I, I definitely agree with uh, with you hoping for that. I mean, the last thing you want is one side that just goes around and gets whacked fifty two blot every time they run out on the field. But looking at that side, I think you know it's a lot of blokes in there, who are very proud footballers, and I don't think they're going to let that happen. And you know, I think they won't be as defensively unsound as you as you might suspect. I think they'll. They'll. they'll I'm not saying that they're going to go out and beat any of the big three, but I think that they you know might. Might only lose few forty-two, plot, yeah, not forty-two.
0: Yeah. <laughs> now speaking <laughs> about Wayne Bennett, boys, as we were. There's a big uh, tip around in rugby league week this week from the mole, the man that knows everything. Darius Boyd to be uh, captain of the Broncos next year. Now the word is he could have had the job in 2016, but uh, he declined. So Wayne Bennett obviously gave that job to uh, Corey Parker, who was captain in the final year, and he's gone now. So. Back to Darius Boyd. I mean, look, he's an interesting uh, an interesting choice. I don't think he's going to be a bloke who uh, talks a lot on the field. He might lead by his actions. He had a sensational season. But uh, it's an interesting choice, obviously, to go back to Darius again after he decided he didn't want it. I think it's the right one. Um, the way
2: he played this year, was, I think, different to any other season we've seen from Darius Boyd. I think he had his best season. Aside from the 2010 year, uh, the Dragons won the premiership. Uh, I saw he didn't wasn't talking. He did on the field, but just the way he sort of moved around and and got the ball, he had a swagger that I haven't seen from him before. And it, it's just it oozed leadership. So I think it's it's absolutely the right call. I think he's top three best players in the world at the moment. Um, but there is also a push for Andrew McCulloch, the hooker. So there's calls for him. They say he's a great leader on and off the field. He, he's verbally, he's very authoritative so there's also a push for him but I think Darius is the right call
1: Yeah I agree with uh, with putting Darius in the job, I, I got to interview him after one of their wins this year and you know for a guy who has a a reputation for being, you know, difficult to talk to. He was an extremely impressive bloke to talk to in person. Very, um, very very sharp, very, very well-spoken and, you know, his play on the field speaks for itself, which is what you're alluding to, Leno. Is, you know, he's going to lead by example and I've got no problems with uh, having a captain who does that rather than um, uses his mouth to to drive everyone forward. I think you do an exceptional job.
0: Yeah, very well-respected player. You can obviously see the whole game from there at fullback. Good thing is he's a fair way back there as well. We might not see him up annoying the referees like some of these other captains. Cam Smith lives under their nose. So Darius is back there out of the play. Look, he will be a good captain. Ben Hunt's another one that got spoken about. But for me, look, that grand final mistake that he made in 2015, I'm sorry, but you can't tell me that's ever gone out of his head. His season was horrendous by comparison in 2016. I think he just lost his way completely. So before you go looking at a bloke like him to be captain... He's just got to find his own way back, find his focus in the game. He will come back in 2017, I think, a whole lot better player. But I don't think he'd be in the right uh, headspace to be leading that team.
2: No, look, that mistake, I mean, that's some would say that's career-defining for some players. Um, Numbers-wise, he didn't have a bad year. Uh, he was right up there for tri-assists. Um, but it was the little things that he did, a few mistakes at crucial times, uh, times when the Broncos' stars were at origin, uh, away at origin, he didn't lead his team to victory, things like that, that um, he didn't do last, uh, back in 2015. So I think he's still suffering the effects from that, and you can't really blame him because, like I said, uh, that mistake is career-defining for other people. But I back him to get over that, and, and hopefully, for his sake, uh, he will get that premiership ring one day.
1: Yeah, I mean, a guy who has to go away and, and work on his game, his kicking game. In particular, for me, I think could be a lot better than what it what it was this year, which will help the side out massively if they finish their sets off better than what they were doing. And I think that's all he needs to be worrying about, not leading the side around the park. But it's a good position to be in when you've got Boyd and you've got McCullough and you've also got Sam Thido, who would any any one of those three blokes would do a great job of being the skipper. So it's it's a good problem to have up there.
0: Yeah, the ten minutes of extra time, which was such a success uh, in the Cowboys Broncos semi. Came a year too late for poor old Ben Hunt. I mean, that moment—if if we'd had the ten minutes, yeah, who knows? They probably still would have scored a try or a field goal. But I mean, that just showed this year that ten minutes, what a difference! That was a huge success in the one game they needed it in. Boys, talking about leadership. Let's go off the uh, footballers for a minute to uh, down to NRL headquarters. Todd Greenberg. Now we always have the uh, the prime minister hundred days in office and. Uh, Give us their report, and we won't get into Malcolm Turnbull, for goodness sake, that could be a disaster. Todd Greenberg has been at the helm for 200 days at the uh, NRL. What's the report card, boys? For me, i go back to David Gallup. He got punted because he was too reactionary. That was the, the excuse. Then we had David Smith, who really didn't have much of an idea about rugby league. That was a problem. For me, Todd Greenberg, I'm sorry. If you're going to talk about being reactionary, this bloke only comes out when there's a problem. Now, fair enough, that means we see him a lot because there is a lot of problems. I can't say I've been overly impressed for a bloke that sat there, always stated he wanted this job, really why he didn't get it the minute Dave Smith walked out the door. That was another mystery. They took so long to give it to him. I can't say I've been overly impressed. One other thing, I was at the Dalian Medal. His speech sounded like Barack Obama, the way that he carried on. It went for way too long. He had a few journos reaching for their phone, Googling to see if uh, he'd done a Melania Trump and lifted some bits <laughs> from uh, from someone else's speech. It was just a bizarre speech for me. What do we reckon, boys? What's the what's the T- Todd Greenberg report card after two hundred days?
1: I, I agree with the with the reactionary part of what you're saying there, and I think that's never been uh, shown to more effect than what's been going on with uh, with David for, uh, uh, Andrew for Andrew Fafida, Beg your pardon. Um, yeah, it's just you know the old sort of policy making on the run. Um, you know the fact that the integrity unit still hasn't you know come to a conclusion about what's going on with him and it's just dragging on and on and on uh the way that whole thing has been dealt with is has just been you know indicative of of the way that he's he's gone about his business and i'll say I'll say one thing about this guy's uh, there's a big caveat there in that he he came in after the season and pretty much got underway. He doesn't have a full off season under his belt where he you know he could plan ahead and you know have have a different impact on the game in that regard. So there's a bit of a jury out factor there, but you know he does appear to be you know just uh, just a bit of a mouthpiece and a real politician is what is the way it comes across to me.
2: Uh, if we're to judge him on his 200 days, I'd say he's a failure. Um I don't think he handled the Parramatta salary cap situation at all well. Um, I thought he did a poor job. I, I Personally, I don't think Parramatta should have played for points this year um, given what's happened in the past. Um, they were over the cap and uh, and the way he dragged it out and the farcical situation with their board members, I don't think he did the a good job. The fact they yet. still
0: could have made the finals yep. and, and had an impact on other teams would and they have been did completely have unfair. They yep. did have an impact anyway. They beat some teams. Yep. In crucial games, yep. and they still could have got there if they'd won that string of games, as they were talking about. Now, how unfair would that have been? Uh, absolutely. If the team that in mean, Melbourne had to go yep. that whole season and play for nothing, and showed how strong their culture was, the fact that they came back from there. So you're right. I think that was that was poorly. I handled. think yeah,
2: he handled that poorly. I think he's handled this Andrew Fafita stuff very poorly. Um, personally, if he felt that strongly about everything, Fafita shouldn't have played. Uh, the rest of the season so I mean he would have got a lot more respect that way than having to come out here and Fafita scored the match winning try in the final so he won crown of the final so but then he's not good he's not in the right frame of mind to play uh, for Australia I mean that's just stupidity so no I I think he's done a poor job Um, he's done his apprenticeship he wanted this job badly he came out and said it and to be honest, I mean, yeah, it's only been 200 days. But if we're going to judge him on that, he, he's he been a failure in the top job.
0: Yeah, I think, Shane, you mentioned about an off-season. Players obviously say that they want an off-season. I think this bloke was being groomed for this job for a long time. So I think really his off-season should have been all those months and months that he had to get ready for that job. I think the minute Dave Smith walked out, it seemed pretty obvious that uh, – Todd Greenberg was probably going to get this job, so I think he should have been preparing for it. He's been around the game long enough to know the things he was going to face. As I said, he seems to appear when the uh, the shit hits the fan, if I might uh, use that word, and I think at the end of the day. So he does come out a lot because a lot of things go wrong. For feeders talking about going to rugby union, well, I mean, a lot of people will say good riddance, but really I think the bloke's been pretty poorly treated. And this integrity unit, I mean, it's like a Bermuda triangle in there. These things go in. Some are handled very quickly, like Mitchell Pearce. Uh, he got a huge fine. I mean, I think he was he was handled pretty poorly yep. as well. He got he was dealt with excessively. Yep. Corey Norman got off a whole lot easier. Why was he any different to Mitchell Pearce? I mean, Mitchell Pearce didn't break the law. Andrew Fafita hasn't broken the law. I think morally everybody was pretty disgusted by what he did, but at the end of the day, he's broken no laws. This integrity unit, I mean, what on earth goes on down there? Tell the bloke what his punishment is, if there is any. And let him move on, as as uh, his coach Shane Flanagan has said today. And yeah,
2: and I'll also add to that. Uh, his big innovation was the bunker, and we've had one season of it, and I think we we're all in agreement in saying it was a failure. Um, three out of ten. Yeah, I mean out. two million dollars, $2 and this was all his. Put his hand up, and he was happy to parade it around um, before the season started, and he's defended it to the hills as is right. But it's, it was a disaster this year. So I mean, if we're judging think? him on things he's brought in. Uh, that was a failure in itself when you
1: consider what that money could have been used for you know for country footy for bolstering you know youth footy that sort of thing yeah I completely agree with that and I think that's a very good point what you were saying Martin about what goes on at the integrity unit you know this is a a body that has the the ability to bounce players out of the game for long periods and when it comes to another one another body does the same thing the the match review panel the judiciary we all know how that works there's a very you know clear set of processes there and everyone's aware of them but no one knows how the integrity unit does its work and i think that you know when they're bouncing blokes out of the game for long periods of time that the fans deserve to know how, how they came to the decision and why sometimes it seems to get turned around very quick and why in other cases it doesn't.
0: Yeah, there's no transparency there. At the end of the day, Mitchell Pearce's suspension, look, it probably helped him as a person. He went over to Thailand, got himself right, but basically the Roosters were shot from the time that he was put out there, season was done. Whereas, as you said, Rocco Andrew Fafita was allowed to keep playing, was the best player on the field in the grand final, should have won the medal, wasn't allowed to win the medal. I think we all agree on that now. So, At the end of the day, Todd, 200 days down, fair bit of work to do. Speaking about Fafita and bad boys, bad boys, as we were, Greg Bird. I mean, he's he's a guy that's uh, got a uh, track record that's pretty long. Rocco, what an amazing job he has done. And when he was just about on his last legs at the Titans, he was also uh, got some uh, integrity unit business hanging over his head. Goodness knows how long that would have dragged on five years at Catalan's. I mean, what a sensational deal. I just want to congratulate uh, Greg and his management
2: um, on a sensational achievement in getting that five-year deal at Catalan. Um, Look, the deal is worth over $2.5 million. So he will play three years for Catalan, and then he'll go into a coaching role for two years. But he will earn over 550 grand each year for those, even when he's coaching. So I mean, how he's negotiated this. Look, from all reports, he had a sensational rapport with the club when he went over there in 2009 after being sacked by Cronulla. Um, Had a great impression, left a great impression. Um, so must yeah, have done. yeah. Well, <laughs> they and they wanted, they were keen to reunite with him, but at this price, well, questions have to be asked. But that's why I congratulate Greg and his management on securing this deal. Um, but I must say, I think it leaves the Titans a little bit thin with a few areas. They also lost Josh Hoffman this week. Um
0: McDonald's gone as well.
2: Yeah, yeah. So look, they've had to make some sacrifices in re-signing Ash Taylor and obviously the Jared Haynes stuff, but um yeah, I think they're a little bit thin. Reports are that Proctor, Kevin Proctor's a done deal there too, so that'll add. But I think in the outside backs are a bit thin there, boys.
1: Yeah, yeah, on paper it does look a bit a bit thin, but I've got a lot of confidence after what he was able to do this year in Neil Henry and the setup he's got going up there. And I think uh if you if you end up with a couple of, you know, guys that you haven't heard much about who come through their ranks, they'll be ready to play. And you've also got um, Elgie coming back this year who, um, who missed the whole of... Um, sorry, coming back next year, missed the whole of this year and that'll make a difference there too. So I still think they'll be there or thereabouts for sure.
0: Yeah, I think they'll be very strong. I think... Uh Look, Jared Hayne, with a, with an off, we spoke about an off-season. He'll get one. He'll be fantastic, I think. Look, Greg Bird, for me, I reckon will be sensational over there in Super League. I reckon in those three years that he plays, he'll win Man of Steel in one of those no. years. As long as he doesn't end up finding a little bit of trouble uh, on the red wine in France and <laughs> throwing uh, croissants at people or something in a, in a bar fight, let's hope he can uh, keep it all under control. I think getting out of the NRL and, and the fishbowl might be a good thing for him. As I said, I reckon he'll... Uh, He'll win himself a man of steel. Boys, that's it for this week. Enjoy the test match. Should be an absolute cracker in Perth. And we'll be back with Rugby League Week podcast to go through it all next week.